0: Come on, you can have a little fun in church, can't you? Come on, it's okay, am I right? Well, welcome to Church Metro Style. What do you think of this little band here? Pretty bright future, I would say. Pretty bright future, pretty amazing. Uh, We have been a very blessed people for a long time with music around here, and it looks like our future is just as bright, huh? Wow, praise God. Hey, uh, listen, a few years ago, over the Chesapeake Bay off the coast of Maryland, there was these... Air Force navigation kind of test programs that they were running, they were actually doing some testing on the F-14 Tomcat fighter jets, and, and they were doing these like vertical ascent type of tests where they would come in low and then make these 90 degree turns going up, and they were measuring all the data, and so what they did was they set up the, Air Force set up these uh, communication stands, these observation stands along the coast, and, and they laid out the entire course, they laid out the trajectory of the planes and all that sort of a thing, and, and, and so... Uh, an event that was supposed to be an incredible event turned to be a tragedy because as one of the F-14s was coming in for its descent, it was in constant communication with the tower. They had the flight plan all mapped out down to the millisecond. And as the the flight was, as, a, as, the, uh, as the pilot was beginning to make his descent in order to do a horizontal uh, scoop above the, the water and, and then eventually turn upwards in front of the, the stands, as he was coming down, he was in communication with the tower, and he had all systems go. Everything was mapped out. Everything was right. And so he hits the afterburners, which was part of the plan, which increased his speed exponentially. And, and in a moment, we're not sure why, but the plane just continued its descent and it landed in the bay, killing the pilot and destroying a beautiful piece of equipment. Now, what was interesting is later, they determined that it was a moment of distraction, just a singular moment of distraction. Something in the, uh, the cockpit of the, of the plane caught the pilot's attention and it distracted him. And they concluded that at, the, at those types of speeds, even a momentary distraction would prove to be fatal. And now let me tell you something, friends. I think this is true of every one of us here, that life is moving fast that we have busy lives and it does not take much to be distracted away from what God has called us to. And if we are not careful, friends, we will never become all that God wants us to become. If we become distracted, if somehow we're called off of our game, if we're taken off of our game, if we just let it slip for a moment, if we somehow get distracted, even in small ways, even in small ways, one day we're going to wake up and we're not going to have become what God wanted us to become. We're gonna wake up and miss the calling that God has for our lives. We're gonna somehow, in some way, be less than God intended. And maybe even worse than that, maybe we'll be somebody that we never intended to be. Well, we've been in this series called Distraction and, and we've been talking about this idea that there are both these external distractions and internal distractions that wanna take us off the game and, and somehow, in some way, friends, listen, we have to figure out how to fight through the noise of life. We have to somehow, in some way, figure out how to fight through the clutter in order to hear the voice of God, in order to hear the leading of God for our lives. And friends, it's not easy, is it, to fight the distractions, am I Right? The distractions come every single day. And it's my guess that every single one of us, even though we have the best of intentions, every single one of us is very easily distracted. So we began last week with, with, uh, with Jesus talking about, about the idea of distractions. And we got into this parable from Jesus. And now let me just ask you, what, what's a parable again? It is a earthly story with a, come on, help me out. It's an earthly story with a? heavenly meaning, right? It's an earthly story that carries eternal weight to it. It is an earthly story, an everyday sort of story that has this kingdom sort of a twist to it that carries the weight of eternity with it. And Jesus was famous with teaching these kinds of stories, and he would tell everyday sort of stories, and then he would punch you with an eternal impact. He would somehow change it in a way that would make us think deeply about this thing called life. And one of the parables that Jesus taught was what we would call the parable of the sword. And and Jesus begins this parable by telling us that there is this farmer out there who planted seed. And he doesn't just place the seed in nice little rows. No, 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 this farmer's all crazy. Like, this farmer's like, wah! Just throwing the seed out there. Jesus describes it as scattering seed everywhere. He's just throwing it out there and, and, and the seed is flying all over and it lands on these different kinds of soil. Anybody remember this? It lands in this different kind of dirt. And, and so just so we're all clear in this story, who is the farmer? Who? God. God's the farmer. And what's the seed in this story? The word of God, the kingdom of God. It, listen, the, the, the picture that Jesus paints is the seed. He paints this picture. It is the kingdom of heaven coming into your life. It is the seed of God. It is the voice of God. It is the leadership of God. It is the hope of God for your life. And if somehow we land on that, if somehow we, we, we gather that into our life, God's gonna do something great with this little seed that's inside of us. And so the farmer is God, and the seed is the word of God. It's the kingdom of God being lived out. It is your salvation, friends. It is your salvation. And and so Jesus begins to say that this seed, the farmer's going crazy. He's throwing it out there every which way. But the seed lands on different types of soil. And he says that the first soil that it lands on is this kind of a hardened path type of a soil. You know what I'm talking about? it's, It's really the picture of that there is there are these human hearts out there, listen, listen, that become hard. And even though God's spirit is speaking to you, even though God's spirit is calling to you, it lands on a hard heart. And Jesus says there is this type of person out there that though the seed comes into this person's life, it just sort of sits on the surface and that there are these little birds. Anybody remember this? These little birds that that what? Snatch. Come on, you remember this? They snatch away the seed. It's there, it's sitting on the surface of your life, but it just hasn't gone under the soil a bit. And so these birds, these, these temptations, these distractions, they come your way and they, they snatch. And then he says there's a different kind of a soil. He says the second kind of soil is, is this soil that it's like rocky soil. There's some dirt there, there's some good dirt there, but, but there's not a lot, it's rocky. And so, and so the seed, it gets in there just a little bit and it springs up quickly. What you remember what, what did he say this soil this this rocky soil is like the human heart that receives it with with joy the word of God with joy the kingdom of God with joy it's a person who comes in and goes oh that generation band is so good and then like where are they next week It's because when life gets hard, he begins to paint this picture that when life gets hard, when life gets difficult, and the sun comes up and it begins to beat against that little seed, against that little seedling that starts to grow, what does it do? It it withers and it's scorched. And so he describes that there is a seed that sits on the surface and it's snatched. But then there's a seed that begins to grow, but it's scorched. It's, It's taken away before it's really grown into something beautiful. It's snatched. And it scorched. And today, Jesus, and this is kind of where we left off. We kind of ran out of time right there. And so I want to just kind of pick it up because Jesus is beginning to paint this picture that there is a third type of soil. And it's found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. And so if you have a Bible, uh, find Matthew chapter 13. It would serve you very, very well. And I would love it if you were to travel along. And so if you got a smartphone, uh, they came out with this really cool thing. I don't know if you heard this yet, but it's called Google. All you have to do. Is people go? I don't know how to find stuff in my Bible. All you have to we whoever they is they have made it so easy. All you have to do is type Matthew thirteen twenty two. Click. That's all you have to do, and it's like a miracle. It's like amazing. It's like magic in your hand. It just comes right up there. But it will serve you well if you get used to reading the Bible for yourself. Do not take my word for it look at God's word for yourself. Matthew 13, 22. And so here's what it says. Here's what it says. Look at this. It says there's another seed, the third kind of seed. The seed falling, he, Jesus is describing what this all means. He says the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, what does it do? It, it chokes you out. It chokes the word right out of you, making it Unfruitful. So if we can unpack this just a little bit, he says that there is a third sort of a seed that begins to grow, but if we're not careful, there is a distraction out there that will choke it, and you can write this down. It is, there, are, there are seeds that are snatched, there are seeds that are scorched, and there are seeds that are choked. There are seeds that are choked. And what's interesting, if you were to track through this a little bit, what does he say? He says, the, the, what, 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 what causes a seed to, to choke? He says, the the blank of his life, the what? Say this with me, the worries. The worries of his life. Choke out the spirit life from somebody. Now, what's really interesting to me, he does not say the activities of your life. He does not say the responsibilities. Anybody in the room ever feel like you got so many responsibilities, so many activities? You're going, I'm gonna die. Anybody? Like, I can't keep up. Any Moms in the room? You know exactly what I'm talking about. But what's interesting, he says, that's not what's going to kill you. Something else is going to kill you. Something else is going to choke the spirit life right out of you. He says, it's, it's the worries of life that's going to choke it right out of you. Some of us are, are not distracted by what's actually happening in us or to us or in our lives. We're distracted by the interpretation of the things that are happening in our lives. Amen? Amen. You hear me on this? We're not distracted by what's actually going on. We're distracted by what we think is going on. What we're worried about will happen, right? And listen, this is an amazing thing. This is a brilliant thing of the enemy. The enemy actually, the devil actually can destroy you by distracting you without actually doing anything to you. He can get you to think that your life is heading in a terrible direction. He can get you to worry about all sorts of things that might happen, that could happen, that you think are going to happen, but they actually have never even happened. And Jesus says, by worrying about all this, it has a suffocating effect on your life. It chokes it right out of you. You want the kingdom of God. You want more of God. You want to become all that God wants you to become. You got dreams. You got visions. You got hopes for you and your children, your family. You got it going on in life, but it sucks it right out of you because you are worried of what could be or, or what might be or what could happen. So if you're, if you're like me at all, listen. You're just so distracted by this thing called worry about what happened on Friday that you can't even do on Monday what you're supposed to have done on Monday and it's already Tuesday. Y'all hear this? It's like we're already behind in the game because we're so caught up on what, what could have been, what, what might be, and so we're worried, what if the kids get sick again? What if the kids make some decision? that they, they haven't made a bad decision, but what if they do make a bad decision? What if your husband does this? What if your wife does this? What if we lose our job? What if the bills go up? What if, what if, what if? What if my health starts to go? What if my eyesight starts to go? What if, what if, what if? What if and we get so caught up worrying about what could be and might be in our life that it what? It, it chokes us. Anybody feel this before? Anybody start to worry about something? And that led you to worry about something else? And that led you to worry about something else? Come on, anybody feel this? And you end up worrying about something else, and all of a sudden, something just triggers in your mind because of these successions of worries, and none of them really ever happened to you, but you worried about something that caused you to worry about something else that caused you to worry about something else. And now you're looking at life, and you're totally defeated, and you go, life sucks, life isn't going anywhere. Everybody hates me, I think I'm gonna eat some worms. Right? Right? You've done this before, right? It's where one thing leads you to another thing, but the first thing isn't even a real thing. You're worried. And Jesus says it has this way of choking us, and it's keeping us from all that God wants us to become. I I can tell you this in my own life. I can tell you this, this is true, that probably 90% of the things I've, I've spent time worrying about, things I've fretted over in life, that caused my family anxiety, never even came true. Anybody ever had that as well? That you just look back in your life and all the things that kept you down and kept you bound, they didn't even come true. They were up here in your mind. And friend, listen, it's in the mind. It's choking us. There's a distraction In our mind, we need to come up for air because we're worrying about all the things in life and it's choking us. We gotta come up for some air. Listen, friends, it's not people that are distracting you. It's not appointments that are distracting you. It's not things that are distracting you. It's not stuff that's distracting you. It is in your mind that's cutting off the spirit of God from flowing into and through your life. It's up here and it says that there is worry in your mind and it distracts you and it takes you away and and, and it does not allow God to come alive and breathe life into you. Suffocates you, so Jesus comes along and he says, "Yeah, there's this thing called worry, and it and it and it chokes you." But he also says something else does. He says that there is this deceitfulness of what anybody remember? Wealth. There is this deceitfulness of wealth that chokes you. The, 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 that wealth is deceitful and it will choke the spirit life right out of you. And I know what some of y'all are saying right now. You're going like, "Yeah, it's so true." For some people, that is so true. It doesn't affect me because I'm not wealthy. That's like for those Donald Trump people and those Bill Gates people. They got it all. I mean, they're wealthy and it's gonna suck the life right out of them. Pause. Here's what I've learned about me. I have a whole bunch of stuff. It's true. And here's what I know about most of you in this room. That you have a whole bunch of stuff. As a matter of fact, you go like like you're like me. I mean, you're probably the same deal. Like, ah, uh, no, no, this isn't for me because like I am struggling. I'm like, woo, I don't, need, I need, I need more money. You are wealthy. You're doing fine by any standard in the world. Against most people in the world, not just a little bit, but by most people in the world's standard, you're loaded. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Google it. Google it. You'll see. You're doing. Great. And here's what it says. It says, somehow, it's, it's, people go, somehow money destroys people. Or you've heard this before, right? The love of money. Right? The love of money. Well, listen, people say it's money that's the root of all evil. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that the love of money is what destroys people. It's the love of money that, that becomes the the heartbreaker of, of people, Because what happens is, is when we love money, we begin to pursue it like it's the thing that is gonna satisfy us. We begin to pursue it um, as if, if we got more of it that we'll become more satisfied. And Jesus says, that's just not true. Because the more you look to stuff, the more, the more, the more to satisfy you, the more you're actually choked out of the picture. The more that the breath of God is sucked right out of you. And so friends, I've seen this and you've probably have seen this too, that you've seen a whole lot of parents race all over the world to earn a whole bunch more money so they can give their kids a whole bunch more stuff. And really what their kids needed, they never gave them because what their kids needed was them. What their kids needed was them. And yet they kept saying, I got to get more to give my kids more. And your kids are going, no, 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 what I need is you. What I need is you in my life. And so let me tell you something. Can I, can I just be honest with you? I am so guilty of this. I think in my younger days, mostly it was, it was chasing money, but now it looks different for me. I'll just be honest with you. I have four kids. Zachary Thomas, uh, Madeline Joy, Lincoln Jacob, and Jeremy Isaac. Uh, 17, 14, 10, and nine. And, and this is how it goes in my life because it is this desire for more. And so for me, here's how it looks like. It might be a little bit different for you, but for me, it looks like this. Pastor Pastor Jay? Could, could you do my grandma's funeral? I mean, I know it's, it's like it's, I know it's another night, but but it's another it's it's important to me. Pastor Jay, can can you? My daughter's getting married. Can you do the wedding? Pastor Jay, my son's getting married. Could could you do the wedding? Could could you help us with something because my son is kind of going off the deep edge and we think if you talk to him, it would be really really helpful. Or Jay, could you meet us for some marriage counseling because we're really really struggling, and if we don't get this together soon, it's not going to go well. But we think you could. Maybe help us a little bit. Son, uh, Pastor Jay, could you go visit my aunt in the hospital? Because I've tried 10 times to share the gospel with her. But if you go and tell her about the love of God, maybe you could somehow break through to her. Jay, could you come and teach at this, this place, this special teaching event? Could you come and do this camp? Could you come and do this retreat for us? Could you just fill in over here a little bit with us? And I gotta be honest with you. This is how it works for me. I would love to do all of that kind of stuff. That's why I got in the ministry in the first place. Listen to me, That is why I started in this whole thing in the first place. But this is where, and, and, and honestly, I, I think that if I did those things, I would be blessed for many of those things. And dare I even say that I think God might be able to use me in some of those situations. But this is where it becomes deceitful for me. You see, because in a sense, I get caught up in wanting more and more and more and more. I get caught up in wanting more influence. I get caught up in wanting to expand our little church here. I get caught up in wanting to serve more and more people. I get caught up, I get caught up, I get caught up. And I don't and, and I, and I wanna share. Listen, I think it's a noble ambition. I wanna share the kingdom of God. I wanna give the word of God to people. I wanna feed people the word of God. But all the while, my little family is at home starving because their daddy is nowhere around. And what I think is good, it chokes the life right out of me, friends. And, and this is what I, what I found out because, and I'll just share it with you honestly. Can I just be honest with you? I have been at that Riverview building, building away because I love it. And I love what God's going to do there. And I know God's going to use it in incredible ways. But this is what I found out, that something is going wrong in my life. Because my wife, she will, she will send me uh, pictures And I'm so blessed to have a wife who can stay at home and all that kind of stuff. But she'll send me pictures and video of the kids playing baseball. And and you know what? It's cool to see your kid playing baseball on the iPhone. But it's not the same thing as seeing your kid play baseball. Because listen, when you're watching your kid play baseball on the iPhone, you can't yell at your boy, come on boy, get it going, come on son, go after that ball, go after that ball, go after that ball. When you're watching on your iPhone, you can't say, stop playing with the bugs and start playing with the ball. You can't stand on the sidelines and say, way to go Isaac, way to go son. I can't come. My wife will send me these, uh, these videos of what's happening around our youth ministries here. And my daughter, my little 14-year-old daughter who's sitting here and lead us I, 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 to worship. She'll, she'll send a little film of her leading in worship. But it's not the same as watching on the iPhone. It's not the same as being there because my daughter can't see me come right down in front and let her lead me into worship. And somehow the life is being choked out of me even though I wanna do a lot of good things. And friends, let me tell you something. I gotta be there, in their life. Amen? And I don't know what that looks like for you, but let me tell you something. If I don't preach, guess what? Somebody else will. You'll find a new preacher. If I don't build that building, maybe somebody else would come up and build it. Sure, absolutely, I gotta do what I gotta do. I got to. We all got responsibilities. Every one of us has responsibilities to step up into, right? Right, everybody in this room has responsibilities. But I'm gonna tell you something, though. If I'm not there, anybody can do all kinds of other things, but only one guy can stand on that little third baseline and yell for his son. Only one. And I gotta be honest with you. Um... This is almost embarrassing. This is almost embarrassing. I was literally at this exact point in the message prep. Because remember I told you, I don't like prepare very far in advance. Like I'm doing it like this afternoon at noon, literally. And and at this very moment is when I stop typing at this exact moment today because my door swings open and my two littlest guys come running in and they go, dad, 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 it's baseball tryouts. You got to take us to baseball tryouts. And I'm like, when? And they're like, right now. And I'm like, why didn't somebody tell me? And they're like, we told you last week. We told you this week. We told you all week long. It's trials. We'll win right now. We gotta go. And you know what my first reaction was? I can't go. I'm only halfway through the message. You know what my first reaction was? Go tell your mom. You need a ride. And so if the rest of this message is junk. I'm sorry, I shut the computer and I left. Because there's only one daddy who can do what this daddy can do. Let me tell you something, friends. And, and, and so if this message, <laughs> so if the rest of this message goes nowhere, just don't miss this, that you can pursue more and more and more and more and more and more in your life, but end up with less and less and less and less. And you can go and make a whole bunch more money, but you can never get nine years old back. Isaac will only be nine once. You can go and get more and more and more and more, but you can never get 14 year old girl back. Thank God. Because I can only handle this once. I'm just saying. Just kidding. But you know what I'm saying, right? You can't get it back can't get it back and somehow we've got to decide what is the greatest call in our life absolutely we have responsibilities but what is the highest responsibility of our life what are the highest priorities of our life you can't get it back and so i i I'm not gonna let the cares of this life, I'm just saying, the distractions of this life, the worries of this life, the worries of pursuing wealth and money any more and more and more make me miss it. I'm focused on something. Listen, I'm running after something. I have something in my mind that I want my life to become. There's something in me that's, that's focused. There's something in me that wants something more than everything in this world wants me to have. There is something in me that is locked on to what Jesus is calling me to. And frankly, I don't wanna miss that. I don't want to miss it, and I don't want you to miss that. And listen, I'm not going to choke. I'm not going to choke because I want more. I'm not going to choke. I'm not going to choke. And let me tell you something. You turn to your neighbor right now and say, I'm not going to choke. Go ahead and tell them that right now. I'm not going to choke. And some of y'all need to perform the Heimlich on your neighbor and say, well, you're choking. And you better get it together. We get off track, friends. Listen, there is a seed Jesus said it, man, there is a seed that gets put into our life and it gets snatched because there's this hardness of life that comes and, and we somehow think that God isn't speaking to us, that it's for somebody else and it becomes hard in us and it just gets snatched away. These little birds come and they snatch it away and there is this seed in life that sometimes it gets going inside of us and it springs up inside of us. But when things get hard, when temptation comes, we fall and we die and we're scorched, it's burned up when it gets hot. And Jesus comes along and he says, there's another seed that wants to breathe in you. But it gets choked. It gets choked because of the worries of this world and the pursuit of more and more and more. But then Jesus switches up and he says, there's a whole different kind of dirt. Listen, friends, there is a different kind of dirt out there where, where a very little thing, listen, where a very little seed could be more than you ever imagined. (laughs) He says there is a type of dirt that where this crazy farmer is just throwing it out there, he's throwing it out there, he's just throwing it out there, but if it lands in the right kind of dirt, listen, it will produce more than you could ever imagine in your life. Someone needs to say, "Woo!" because that's big news. There's a fourth kind of dirt here. It's the kind of soil that, that's different than all the others. It's the kind that produces 30, 60, or 100 times more than that which was planted. And, and so Jesus says maybe we should be paying a little closer attention to this type of soil that we are. And I don't know if you figured this out yet. For the last two weeks, we have not been talking about dirt, we have not been talking about dirt. We're talking about paying attention to your heart. We're talking about paying attention to our souls. It's, we're talking about making sure that we have the kind of heart that receives the kingdom of God, that listens to the kingdom of God, that responds to the kingdom of God, that loves the kingdom of God, that wants more and listen, more and 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 more from the kingdom of God, and less and less and less and less from the kingdom of this world. That's the kind of heart that Jesus says is good dirt. The kind, of, the kind of heart that where he plants it, it will grow inside of you. And so there seems to be this kind of responsibility inside of us to make sure we are good dirt. As a matter of fact, listen, Jesus is really into this whole farming thing. I don't know if you get this or not, but he's into it because he tells this big time story about the parable of the sower, right? That's what we call it. Which, but then he goes right into this next little parable, this next little kingdom story, right? And it's about the same thing. It's about farmers and seeds. I'm just gonna read one or two verses for, for you of this, but I just want you to see this because Jesus is really into this whole farming concept. Listen to this. He, he says this, verse 24, chapter 13. He says, but now I'm gonna tell you another parable. He, t- he literally says, I'm gonna tell you another parable. And then he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in his field. Pause. So who's the man? Who's the farmer? God, what's the seed? What is it? It's the word of God. It's, it's the kingdom of God. But this time it's a little bit different. He says there's a seed that went out, but he gives a descriptive word about the type of seed it is. We, we know what it's about, but what, what was the quality of the seed? Anybody pick it up? It's good. It's good seed. It's good seed. Listen, it's good seed. God, the farmer, does not sow junk into your life. Well, that's really good, Jay. I never really thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God does not sow junk into your life. So, somehow, in some way, we got to stop complaining about oh, God never talks to me. Oh, God never speaks to me. Oh, God never gives me the right opportunities. Oh, God, it's always for somebody else. Baloney. Baloney. God only gives one kind of seed. The farmer is the same all the way through and the seed is the same no matter which path it falls on, which soil it falls on, what kind of dirt it falls on. The whole crutch seems to be the, the, the idea that somehow we got to start paying attention less to the distractions and start paying attention to the kind of soil that we're trying to become. Right? It, it just seems to me that God is saying uh, that, that I give good stuff and you better be ready for it. And you better be ready to respond to it. You better be humble enough to listen and obey and come follow me, come after me. The whole idea is that he says, you want to pay attention to your, your heart. We need to make sure we're good dirt. And so we call this the parable of the sower, or the parable of the farmer. But really maybe this should be called the parable of dirt because the, the weight seems to be that the seed is good. The seed's always good. It's always good. God's always good. God always wants more for you. God always hopes for the best for you. God always wants for the best for you. As a matter of fact, it says somewhere in the scripture, Romans eight twenty eight to be exactly, it says that God works all things for the best in your life. All of it, all of it. He works all of it in your life for the best. And so somehow we've got to start paying attention to the dirt, not just our distractions, not just the things that are keeping us away. And so he says that the, there's a kingdom of heaven Or excuse me, he goes, I'm going to tell you another parable. And it's a parable about the kingdom of heaven. And he says, there's a man, a farmer. He's out there sowing good seed. But then he gives us this little warning. Check this out. One more verse, and then we're going to be done. One more verse. He says this. But while everyone was, what's the word? Sleeping. Everyone was sleeping. His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and and then he went away. So God puts seed in you. What kind of seed? Good seed. He puts good seed in you. He wants much more for you than you even want for yourself. Matthew 13 says, though, that there is a problem, that there is an enemy. There is an enemy that comes and snatches. There's an enemy that comes and and scorches. And there's an enemy that comes and chokes it, right? That there's an enemy who comes and plants something right in your little garden. Now, I don't know about you, but I've tried my hand at gardening. The only thing I can get to grow is weeds. I have an enemy. Let me... tell you what the concept is here. Right next to the good thing that God is trying to put into your life, the enemy goes, oh, oh, no, no, no. Something bad right next to it. Good thing in your life right here. But right next to that, the enemy comes and he throws weeds in there. He's like, I'm not going to let God get away with that. And there's a distraction sitting right next to your destiny. You have a destiny, but you also have a distraction sitting right next to you. Do you understand this? And somehow, in some way, you and I, we've got to figure this out. Uh, we got to figure out how to fight the distractions because Jesus said, if somehow if you lock onto me, if somehow you get your mind around me, if somehow you become fully submitted to the life that I want, he goes, somehow if you figure out how to turn the soil over, how to keep the soil soft, how to get the good stuff in the soil and how to get the junk stuff out, if somehow you figure out some of that, he says, you better watch out because I'm going to produce something in you that is amazing, something incredible. He said, he said it like this. He said, If you and I figure out how to get rid of distractions, he says, if you and I could figure out the greatest commandment, what did he say was the greatest commandment? He says, to love the Lord your God. And he said, with all, he goes, not with all of, like, like I'm sometimes I'm in and sometimes I'm out. He says, no, you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Not like, hey, maybe I'm gonna be part of the church, but maybe I'm not gonna be part of the church. No, 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 he says, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. He says, if you figure out how to lock in like that, not like this, oh, I love you, God, but oh, I don't know, like, I kind of got a hard heart today. Snatch. No, he said all of your heart. Every part of it. Not the kind that goes, oh, I'm just a little bit deep because as soon as it gets hot around here, I'm done. As soon as there's a call to action around here, I'm done. As soon as there's something expected of me around here, I'm done. As soon as the temptation comes away, I'm done. No, he says if you figure out how to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, he says I'll do in you what you never even thought possible. And so, yeah, amen. And so, friends, let me tell you something. Jesus said you need to learn to love God like that. You need to focus on that. The great apostle Paul said it like this. He goes, here's what I do. The, the one thing that I do is I forget all the distractions that were behind me. He goes, I forget all of the junk that was behind me three years ago, two years ago, one year ago, about a month ago, about a week ago. He goes, I forget it all that's behind me because that's no good. He goes, I want something more. I want something different. So here's what he does. He goes, I press on to a higher calling. And he says this, listen. He says, I press on to a higher calling and I fix my eyes on Jesus. Listen, he goes, I consider the junk that's behind me rubbish. I consider it garbage. I consider it worthless because of the surpassing greatness of knowing God. He says, I found something way better, way better than the distractions of this world. And so I'm going to tell you something, church. The enemy better not keep, uh, catch us sleeping. You hear me? Yeah. Are, are you listening to me? Yeah. A whole bunch of us are sleeping, and the enemy comes right in and says, Oh, that family of yours, snatch. Oh, yeah. The goodness of your heart, the purity of your heart, snatch. Because you were sleeping. I'm not sleeping anymore. I'm not gonna let the devil win anymore. I'm gonna focus in on what God wants for my life. I'm telling you, if we do this, friends, if we do this, man, God will do amazing things. 30, 60, 100 times, 100 times, more than we could ever imagine. So, God, help us. Uh, Help us to fix our eyes on you. God, help us to become all that you want us to become. Forgive us, Father, when we get so easily distracted. God, help us to uh, examine the priorities of our life and figure this out. Because we've got to get this right. God, don't let the enemy catch our little church sleeping. No, God. May your seed, may your spirit come alive inside of us. Alive. Inside of me. In Jesus' name.